Across the UK, on DAB Digital Radio, on the free Times Radio app, and on your smart speaker. This is Times Radio. Now, it's time to go on the ground. On the ground, bringing you stories from every corner of the globe on Times Radio. On the ground is where we speak to correspondents around the world about the big stories making headlines on their patch. Today, we're in Mexico with journalist John Bonfiglio. Hi, John. Thanks so much for joining us today. No problem, Jane. John, let's start with the southern border between the US and Mexico. We were talking earlier about the Republicans refusing to grant any further funding for Ukraine as they insist that tougher security measures on the US-Mexico border must be part of any military aid deal. So the US Secretary of State Antony Blinken has recently visited Mexico for talks with the president in the hopes of figuring out some sort of strategy to slow this surge of illegal crossings at the southern US border. Is this an equally big priority, both for the president of Mexico and for Biden in 2024? I don't think so. I think it's a big priority for the Mexican administration and the president, Andrés Manuel López Obrador, in terms of political political goodwill uh, from the US and funding from the US. It's certainly not a political hot potato here at all. In fact, any clamping down that takes place on migrants passing through Mexico tends to be pretty negatively perceived by uh, by the population uh, at large. Of course, as you say, the US-Mexico border is in the US a major political issue at the best of times, and these are a long way away from <laughs> being the best of times. Yeah. This month has seen, get this, record, what I refer to, migrant encounters, which have reached up to 10,000 per day uh, on some days. And at the same time, all across the news is the fact that one of the biggest migrant caravans that we've seen, numbering up to 5,000 people, is moving its way up through uh, Mexico. And of course, next year is election year in, in the US. In a nutshell, the US wants Mexico to do more to stem the flow. Actually, something that they've been doing pretty much since the Obama administration is trying to move um, essentially the US-Mexico border to the Mexico-Guatemala border and making Mexico stop all migrants at that particular uh, point. Mexico, for its part, says that actually this is a hemispheric problem and not Mexico-specific. And they are right in that if you look at the migrants moving through Mexico, very, very few of them are actually Mexican. They are, uh, by and large, from other parts of uh, Latin America and Haiti, uh, troubled, economically troubled, politically troubled, Venezuela, Nicaragua, Cuba, undergoing its biggest mass exodus uh, since the revolution as well. So Mexico is a transit point. It is not the source of these difficulties. So this migrant caravan that you've been talking about, am I right in thinking that a large part of that walking through Mexico actually coincided with Blinken's visit? Yeah, it is very much happening at the moment. And also, yeah, uh, uh, migrants are not naive to the power of a political message. So uh, timing these things for maximum effect, and not just for maximum political effect, but also for maximum protection and security effect, they, they know that if they band together in a big caravan and make a political and journalistic statement, that they are more likely to get through Mexico uh, safe and unhindered uh, than if they go about their own individual way. So it's, it's understandable in that sense that they've adopted this particular uh, strategy, if you like. Do you think it's going to be a big point in the 2024 election, not just this caravan, but the, the border, as you say, moving the border, um, how they control the border, the possibility of Trump, you know, is, is the Republican candidate of finishing that wall? 
Yeah, it's a it's a huge, huge issue, uh, whether you like it or not, whether it is a real issue or not. And actually, it is very much a significant issue. But let's hypothetically say that it wasn't you know, a, a really tangible problem. Um, it is a, uh, an issue because it is um, uh, touted as being a, a touchstone issue for the Republican base. And so that is going to continue to come out and be played and maximized uh, even more than it than it already is. And we've seen a lot of the rhetoric recently from uh, Donald Trump, which, of course, we're going to see more of in terms of uh, the poisoning of society and the venom of migrants uh, and so on. There's no way that this is going away anytime soon. No, absolutely. John, moving on. This week, the Mexican military launched a commercial airline, which you know, kind of sounds slightly inconceivable, I think, to some of us, it's serving tourist destinations and Caribbean resorts. Some have described it as another sign of the outsized role that the president has given to the Mexican army. How, have people, how are people perceiving it in Mexico? Uh, well, well biz- bizarre, isn't it? And actually, the Mexican uh, government has been at pains to say that this is what all developed nations do, is giving their military a central role in society. Of course, that is uh, patently uh, false. How it's being received here is, I think, as with so much in Mexico, there is a dual reaction. On the one hand, there is the expectation that it is going to lead to more efficient uh, processes, a reduction in corruption. But on the other hand, there are great great fears as to this outsized role, as you say, that the military uh, is playing. Historically, the military were kept far away and happy, uh, a phrase that the Mexican political elite have always used, and now they're much more close uh, and ambitious. And it's not just this army-run airline. It's also the the National Guard, the Guardia Nacional, a a military unit which started off as a a sort of small uh, parallel police structure, which has now been taken under the wing of the military. Uh, And although they look like police officers, they are uh, very much within the control of the army. And you see those in their scores anywhere in Mexico on a day-to-day basis. Infamously, we've just had the Mayan train launched uh, here, uh, a tourist train which circumnavigates the the Yucatan Peninsula. When that ran into legal difficulties, uh, AMLO, uh, the president, Andrés Manuel López Obrador, declared it a project of national security, uh, and gave control to the defence, uh, to the defence ministry, and to the army. Undoubtedly, for good or ill, Mexico is a country transformed in this administration. In fact, they refer to it as the fourth transformation uh, of Mexico. But, but undoubtedly, one of the most uh, complex and controversial manifestations have been of this has been in how the military has been brought into the very heart of civilian life, which had never seen before. Uh, had never been seen before in in Mexico. Bear in mind, Mexico is one of the few Latin countries not to have experienced a military coup in the 20th century. Yeah, I think, John, it's it's this idea of combining the army and tourist destinations, which slightly blows my mind. I mean, you know, I think... Even in England, we can understand that there are certain situations in which you bring the army in when you need efficiency and, you, you know, you need perhaps has been a huge natural disaster or, you know, something along those lines. But this idea of the military flying tourists to Caribbean resorts, I mean, would you get on a Mexican military airline? I mean, I, I, I will, uh, undoubtedly, at, at some point. Actually, it, it's, it's, this is a reinitiation of a... Of a of a Mexican airline that went bust, Mexicana, about 20 years ago. So it's not entirely new. The, the idea is that handing it over 
to the military. Obviously, it, just, it doesn't just remove corruption, but where it makes a little bit of sense in terms of tourist destinations is because if you speak to anybody abroad in terms of media coverage, of course, the cartels and violence generated by the cartels is one of the biggest fears and how Mexico is, in inverted commas, uh, dangerous. And handing these spaces over to the military, at least the perception is governmental perception, is that it gives a perception of uh, safety and control um, to, uh, to uh, as handled by the military, which will give... Um, which will give a comfort blanket to tourists, if you like. They will think, rather than think this is a strange and uh, overreach by the military, they'll think, actually, this is, this is safe and I can be here without having to, uh, to worry about what might happen. And probably they're pretty good at timekeeping, I imagine, as well, which never goes astray with airlines. Now, on a lighter note, John, today Mexico is celebrating Dia de los Santos Inocentes, which I probably butchered, apologies, Day of the Holy Innocents. That was really we great. Oh, thank you very much. Um, it's similar to our version of April Fool's Day, I understand. But where does this day come from in Mexico? Um, bizarre. And not just in Mexico, but more broadly across the, the Spanish-speaking world. It is, uh, at source, the story of the slaughter of children. King Herod's uh, pursuit, manic pursuit of the baby Jesus in which he ordered the killing of thousands of babies. And over time, that's morphed into uh, the Spanish-speaking world's equivalent, as you say, of, of April Fool's Day. The focus here is on the innocents, historically the babies who were killed, but who in this sort of modern iteration are the gullible, or those who would allow themselves to, to be fooled. This happens uh, across society, in media, and in a number of countries, actually. Uh, it's not just the April Fool's similarity. It features a, a sort of charity television gala, not unlike uh, our comic relief. Uh, of course, as we live in the dog days of 2023, Jane, it also takes place on the inescapable social media, <laughs> merging fiction and fact and back again, uh, not unlike every other day of the year then. So I started that by saying on a lighter note, I got it so wrong, didn't I? There's nothing light about the Day of the Holy Innocence. It's incredibly dark. Is, is this something people actually celebrate or is it something that is just sort of marked? Yeah, I, I don't think they celebrate. Where, where there is some cultural legacy, I think, is where, of course, we all know about uh, the importance of death and the way that death is viewed differently in Mexico during um, today as it is today, some families who have lost a young child will go and spend time in a, in a cemetery and celebrate uh, the, the life and death of the, of the child in that particular way. But more than anything, I think people just sort of plan for it to be sort of a quirk of, of society and for sure plan very elaborate uh, pranks throughout, uh, throughout the day. Perhaps they, they sort of plan them months in advance on, again, the, the gullible, the, uh, the innocence. But I don't think it's something particularly sort of, you know, celebrate. We're not going to see... Uh, processions or cavalcades or those kinds of things. Uh, we're just going to see the representation. We're going to see the equivalent of the spaghetti trees is we're gonna, what we're going to be seeing on, uh, uh, on the media, on the Mexican media landscape today. Well, if it's not inappropriate, might I wish you a happy holy day, a happy day of the holy innocence, John. And thank you so much for joining me. That's journalist John Bonfiglio on the ground in Mexico.